All right. Well, welcome to episode three of the In Between podcast with Exeter Valley Church. Uh, as you know, my name is Noel Peepgrass, and today we are blessed by the <laughs> presence of my lovely wife, Megan. Hey, Megan. Hey. How's it going? Good. Did you ever think you'd be doing this? No. <laughs> are you going to post this on your Instagram account? After it's all said and done. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, uh, anything you'd like to say about yourself, Megan, as an introduction to the world wide web? Oh, man, I don't know what to say about myself. Well, how many kids do you have? We've been married 20 years. Hey, that's pretty good, huh? We got five kids between us together. Not between us. We've got five kids together. Yeah. Cool. And... uh, you're a pastor's wife. I am. Two years. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about the story of the sheep and the goats uh, from the very end of Jesus' Sermon on Signs, the Olivet Discourse at the end of Matthew 25. So, Megan, would you start by reading that passage uh, for us? This is Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Thanks, Megan. So, uh, you know, that, that passage, I mean, probably the two biggest themes in that passage are 
judgment, day of judgment. Jesus, you know, is pictured uh, sitting on a throne as a son of man before all nations and separating goat from the goats from the sheep. And then the other theme, though, that really uh, is presented in that passage is the idea of social service or, you know, caring for the least of these. And um, I was just, yeah, I just wanted to start by asking, you know, like, is there, um, you know, is there any, um, is there any like personal, like, conviction that comes forward as you read that passage or, you know, what's happening in your own heart as you're reading that passage as we've studied uh, that passage? Well, there's a definite line in the sand of mm. sheep and goats. And I think the question is like, am I going to be a sheep or a goat? Yeah. <laughs> and I hope to be a sheep because I want to be with him in his kingdom. Yeah. And I think there's a, a sadness, I suppose, for the goats. Mm. Um, imagining eternal punishment. Like, do you have, like, do you, do you feel, have you ever felt, like, um, afraid of judgment, afraid of talking about judgment? Have you ever felt, like, you know, ever had any interesting conversations with friends or, you know, what, what, what's your, like, your personal feeling about this Jesus who will come to judge? Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I actually was going back to the passage before when the man described the master, and he said mm -hmm. that he thought he was a bad man. Or yeah, a, a harsh man. Yeah. A harsh man. Yeah. And I th was thinking about how in how our idea of God yeah. or how our idea of the judge is like the main thing mm. if we are worried about judgment day. Mm. Um, I think if we do believe that the judge is good and righteous, yeah. then he will judge appropriately. And yeah. I thought about Genesis and what happened in the garden about how God... Mm. Mm -hmm you know, set up um, this garden, beautiful garden. Everything was for his creation, and it was beautiful, and it was good. And he he told Adam and Eve, you know, everything is yours. Yeah. Everything in this garden yeah. is yours. Like, it, it's for you, and steward it, and it was beauty and goodness. And then this serpent came along and put a seed of doubt, like maybe actually is this God of yours good or is he holding out on you? And mm. so that made me think, you know, if we if we don't have an eternal perspective of of an inheritance, which is um Yeah, what, what he goes on to say, isn't it? Well and even in this passage, he's mm -hmm. like, hey, he says, um, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. Yeah. The kingdom prepared for you since the creator of the world. And to the others, he says, depart from me, you who are cursed. And um, that we see blessing and cursing in the, the garden when everything is blessed. Yeah. And then sin comes and there's cursing or curse. That's actually really deep, profound. That, that essentially, I mean, it's like, you know, we've been quoting this A.W. Tozer line forever. The God you see is a Christian that you'll be. 
And uh, I mean, essentially, that's what you're saying. You're, you're bringing us back to the garden and you're saying that, well, who do you, how do you see God? And, yeah. and Satan's uh, first uh, attempt or his first temptation was to convince us that God wasn't good. Yeah. And that's like also his last temptation as well. It's been his temptation from the yeah. beginning of all time. So I like that you bring us back to that, like you, you're rooting us in the beauty of God, the beauty of the garden and uh, the ultimate fear that we can have. Like, I don't know what you've ever thought about judgment, you know, and, and we tend to have in our culture, there's cropping up people who are like, oh, God could never judge. But it's almost like you're right. Like, what, what God are you seeing? Well, and I think the other question then, what happens is when we don't see God rightly and good, then we we put ourselves in the place of God now. Yeah. We've judged him to not be good, and we've judged ourselves to be a better God. That's right. And we see how that goes. <laughs> when, yeah. Who's who's better in right. charge? Is God who is if we if we believe him to be good and right and yeah. But she has said, well, look at creation. Like, mm. what do you think of it? Is what do you think of the flowers and the ocean and all of the beauty? And what do you think of yourself and being made in his image if you believe that? And yeah, what I see is if we don't believe that God is good, we judge him as not being worthy mm. of being God, then we put ourselves in his place. Yeah. And and I guess that's really what the temptation was. He said you were, you know, the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we were never meant to judge yeah. good from evil. And yet that's what we've been doing ever since. Yeah. You know, is that's good, that's bad, that's not good, that is good. Mm -hmm. We we determine that for ourselves. Yeah. You do you, right? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, and isn't it crazy that I mean the the mantra of our world is on one hand, um, you, who are you to judge me, right? Um, but actually I get to be the ultimate that's right. judge. That's right. Yeah. It's, so it's not, our world really isn't against judgment. It's about, um, it's against who gets to be the judge. And I think like what you're saying is like, how you see the judge, good or bad, will determine whether or not you wanna have a judge or not. Which is what you pointed out at the beginning of your sermon was. Yeah. When we agree with the judge, we're like, yeah. Totally. All right. When we disagree with the judge, you're like, you're a terrible judge. Yeah. Like, that was a good analogy, huh? Like, the the, the closest thing, I, like, I've never sat, thankfully, I've never sat in front of a judge. But, but like, have, even an umpire, you're, to bring right. it down to a very For sure. normal experience. And I have. And, you know, I get along really well with umpires. Yeah. So when you like their call, when I like their call, <laughs> I get along really well with them when I like their call. Yeah. So that's I, a good point. Yeah. I mean, and the second thing that stands out to me is just that the call to the Christian life is a call to dying to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that isn't very popular. Unless, I guess, again, we think that God knows better. And mm. yeah. Um, Jesus was so clear over and over. If you want to lose your life, then hang on to it now. Yeah. And if you want to gain life, then lose your life now. And this is what I see in the passage. If mm. if you do believe that there is a greater inheritance, like this life isn't really meant to fulfill or satisfy, but we follow the example of Jesus of laying down our lives. Like we we take care of 
the people in here, the the lonely, the hungry, and you can say it literally, you could say it metaphorically, those who, you know, are sick or in prison, literal prison or metaphorical prison. Mm -hmm. If the way of Jesus is the way of sacrifice and, and love and always looking after elevating others' needs before ourselves and, and coming towards and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's love, sacrificial love over and over again. Hmm. And I suppose it's because we aren't trying to get from this world. Like, we are here to give, and hmm. we will get. Yeah. But our getting isn't now. Our getting is later. Our giving, our sacrificing is now, which was Jesus. I mean, he yeah. ultimately gave up. Like, I love Philippians too. I mean, it says he gave up his yeah. rightful position as this as with God being with God and he took on the form he humbled himself and took on the form of a slave and became obedient to death and it says even death on a cross yeah which was like the cursed death yeah he became the least of these didn't he I mean he if we want to take I mean he was kind of this he didn't have a house <laughs> yeah. you know he he lived in prison I mean he, yeah, without he clothes. Yeah, he didn't have a job, at least those three yeah. years of his life. He, yeah. Well, he, he seems to make it clear in this passage that, you know, he can be found in the person who is down and out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess what a what a beautiful thing that he's like, you've done it to me. Like, yeah. I guess maybe if I think back to your first question, what stands out to me is in the coming towards and, and the caring for, he's like, you did it for me. Yeah. Not just a, someone that I love or care about. You, you or a stranger. Did it for it's me. like, yeah. Me, like it, it's yeah. like we don't, we're doing it for Jesus. And so what do you, so like the other thing, and I, and I think that some would have preached this passage and, and maybe made it a passage about social service, yeah. you know, and, um, and, uh, I was tempted to go there. I, I didn't feel like this is his main intent, but, um, certainly it's it's part of his intent is how we are called to act uh, towards the down and out. Like what do you what do you think about the Christian's responsibility or the church's responsibility to um, serve the down and out? I think it's really clear. <laughs> I don't think it's like a tough answer. It's absolutely we are to serve and lay down our lives and look after and care for and so to me i guess it's who what mm, when yeah where but i mean you know as a church like how can we practically do this you know how do you i mean because you're kind of you're good at this honestly you know i mean you are really drawn to the outsider you're drawn to the stranger how are what are what are some ways that like we as a church can be thinking about um, responding to the least of these? Well, the holidays always seem to be an easy time to fulfill this with giving you know, food drives, can drives, mm -hmm. Thanksgiving dinners, and yeah. sweater drives, blanket drives. I think that's easy um, in a sense. I think the harder... One, and I suppose maybe I look at this more metaphorically sometimes, is to people who are, are 
hungry, like they are, like their soul mm -hmm. is hungry, their soul is thirsty, mm -hmm. or their heart. Um, yeah, they're a stranger, like they don't have a home, a family. So we invite them into community. That's right. And we we take care of of that in practical ways and also in heart ways. Um, yeah. They might be sick physically, but they might be sick in their heads, in their hearts, in their souls. Yeah. They might be literal prison or they might be in the prison of torment and lies and shame. addiction. And, yeah. Yeah, shame and... So I, I think I guess it, it, it's easy on one hand to say, yeah, we're supposed, yeah, we're supposed to do this. It gets yeah. a lot more complicated, yeah. I suppose, or maybe it's not complicated. I just think we're we're really busy. Right. Our lives are. We For just sure. don't really have time. We haven't set up our lives with like margin mm -hmm. to to care. Invite. Yeah, to care yeah. to even see. I think right. sometimes like we don't even want to see because it's an inconvenience. It's like I don't have time for that. Yeah. I don't have money for that. And I don't know how to help. We, we even face yeah. we even face certain challenges with like in our culture a phenomenon that I don't know like how present it was in Jesus culture but the kind of like the the culture of um of enabled poverty mm -hmm. and the enabled down and out. Um I think that has been um like a a, a confrontation um for the church or a maybe a point of confusion like am i helping this person or am i just you know but but at the same time if we're not careful that becomes an excuse doesn't it to just not help anyone um i mean i found myself thinking you know as we were <laughs> i'm reading this passage and i'm like yeah my goodness have we i mean clearly christ cares about what we do yeah and i think that i love the grace of god um i'm dependent <laughs> on the grace of God. And I've been so um, impacted, however, by the things that Jesus is asking from us in this gospel, like the entire gospel of Matthew. It's like he really cares about what we do with our lives. And um, he says many times, you know, um, if you had faith, you, you would do this. If you really believed, you would do this. You little face, he calls his disciples. And here he's separating the sheep from the goats uh, based on whether or not they took care of the poor. Like it's an action. And um, I also just want to say, you know, like just watching you live your life. I mean, I think that, you know, we tend, yeah, so you're right. Literal, meta metaphorical. I mean, I think it is, it's completely both, right? He's talking about the literal poor, the little literal yeah. down and out. But he's also talking about the spiritually poor and the spiritually down and out. And I think that this is one of the reasons why hospitality is such a high value for us, you know? And you're like incredible at greeting new people. But the, the ministry of hospitality, even as people come into our church, like receiving people as they are is like, is, um, I mean, it's like, it's like, d don't uh, consider that insignificant, you know? Um, when we receive someone new, when we receive a stranger into the church, we are caring for the, you know, metaphorical least of these. And so I've often, you know, I, you know, sometimes when you lead a church, you like make rules, like this will be a church, you know, like in this family, this is how it's gonna be. And I feel like hospitality is one of those things. Like the thing that will bug me the most is if, is if someone is standing in the corner and not being greeted by our people, you know? 
thankfully our people are, I think, pretty good at that. I appreciate that about uh, our community. So, you know, I was wanting to go back to um, the Beatitudes as we looked at this passage. And um, yeah, I just was like, I I was wondering what you think about the connection between caring for the least of these. And, And again, this is Jesus' fifth and final kind of sermon in the Gospel of Matthew. So I do think there's like a bookend nature to this sermon. And the other side of that bookend is of course the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, right? His most famous sermon. And I wondered what you were thinking, you know, and if you thought at all about that connection between the Beatitudes, the blessed ours, um, and this passage, caring for the least of these. Well, I think you said it and we, we zoom out with the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus came to, to um, establish the rule and reign of God, like the kingdom. He was announcing a kingdom. He wasn't, and the Sermon on the Mount, it's like, this is what the kingdom looks like. And this is the heart posture. This is the attitude, as, as you said, and it's going low. Yeah. It's, um, it's meek, it's poor in spirit. It's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Yeah. It's as if he's saying that if you are the poor in spirit, if you are the meek, if you are the peacemaker, then you will care about the poor in spirit, the meek, the peacemakers. So I see that like tie. It's like, if you've you've taken on my attributes, remember those things I taught you, the the attitudes of being, the kingdom citizen, if you really have those attitudes of being, then you will care for the lowly. In fact, not only will you care for the lowly, you'll actually care for me because I'm found in the lowly. So um, convicting, but ultimately like incredibly beautiful too. Because if we're honest, like we, the lowly is in all of us. We we all, I mean, that's kind of like our major problem is that we are low (laughs) and we need a savior, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think... I get like brings you to tears in a way because it's like it's just so different. I was thinking like, what does the world celebrate? Like power, like it's about you getting, mm-hmm. you know, exploiting. Really, it's like take everything you can get, yeah. use people mm-hmm. to build your kingdom, um, so you can have a great easy life, or you know, nice house, good car, nice clothes. People will you know, essentially worship you and the way of God is just go low, give up your life again. And I think that's what, you know, over, it's just like, give up your, give up your life. Like go, go serve. The son of man didn't come to serve. I'm sorry, to be served, but But to serve. And so we go, we are his disciples. We do what he does. And his life was essentially like he said a ransom for many yeah you know he gave he gave and gave and gave and yeah to be like him is to lay down our lives over and over well um we could go on and on uh talking about this stuff but uh, i'm gonna bring it to a close today but i just want to say thanks so much i think you're beautiful and your heart is beautiful and uh, I'm so thankful, man, you, you just really taught me a lot today, even. <laughs> so thanks for being, um, you know, a, a part of this church. Thanks for being my partner in crime. I love you. <laughs>